San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, Stiff Farm going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the side. It's the 49er Faithful UK show. So, after a routine and pretty uneventful win over the Green Bay Packers, the Niners are once again through to the NFC Championship game, where they will face, and I can't believe I'm getting to say this, the Detroit Lions for a trip to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Now, only part of that statement is true, but it is the most important part. We won and we are through. But I think it is fair to say that a few bums were squeaked along the way. And Drake Greenlaw, doing his Weeble impression at the end of the game, did not help. Bit of an old school reference there that some of you may not get, but I will explain. We haven't had many rides on the roller coaster this year, but the matchup with the Packers delivered drops, corkscrews and loops. Everything you want from playoff football, especially if you're neutral. I'm Gareth Ellis, and breeding again, it's Lee Gowland. Only just breathing again. Yeah, all right, Gareth. <laughs> and it's Paul Hope. NFC Championship game, baby. What's up, Fearful? <laughs> yeah, heart rate's back to normal, gents. Did you uh, Did you manage to not wake up your entire house or street or town? No, no comment. <laughs> no, I did not manage to wake up. Uh, to wake up the entire household. I mean, you, you've seen the picture, um, the video. Um, I, I realise why it doesn't have sound now. It obviously, because of the way it was recorded on my phone, um, that's why it didn't have sound. I can't even remember pressing record, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I screamed loudly. In fact, when my kids woke up, and I'm saying kids, I mean, they're not kids, they're young adults, um, 20, uh, 19 and 22. So when they woke up, they immediately went straight to the phones to find out what I was cheering about, to find out whether or not it was a touchdown. Um, and Miela said, yeah, I saw there was like 40 seconds left in the game and that you you were winning. So I assumed that was a touchdown that you scored. So I had to explain that one too. And my youngest, who's a Packers fan, he was kind of, uh, you know, because he's a casual fan. Oh, well, that's right. Well, he is now. Paul? <laughs> yeah. Domestic Tra- place, fine. Tracy, quiet in the house. Tracy never understands why we celebrate things like interceptions sacks tackles lightly she thought it was a touchdown um so we were on a, a video chat call and i'm pleased to say that she didn't hear any of the chat she didn't hear brett sinclair despite his best efforts threatening to punch me in the face which we'll get onto <laughs> later um lee's cheering was on a par to lenore's pick against the seahawks last year and i think lee walked the Rams fan up across the road, he was that loud. But uh, the kids didn't wake up, and like yours, Lee, 13 and 16, the next morning when I surfaced at dinner time, they were like, Niners won. That's like, the Niners won. But you're right, Gareth, the roller coaster. My Apple Watch mm. was nearly breaking again. It hasn't had a heart rate like that for a couple of years. I know that much, buddy. Yeah, it needs a y- special you know playoff I've, setting. I thought I'd done really well during the game to keep, to keep the emotions in check. I didn't really... I, because I wasn't sure where the feed was compared to others, so I didn't really celebrate loudly when we scored a touchdown or anything like that. But I, I don't know if Paul was going to get into this. We were in the fourth quarter, and I, obviously I brought out a stat, which meant I, I had a face like a slapped ass for the uh, the fourth quarter. Yeah, right. Do, do you want to talk about it, Paul? Do you want to talk about that now, or do you want to leave it until later? Uh, we'll leave it to later because we've done our right. homework. Right. I'll tell the story so later. We've, we've, we've done our homework. We can't ruin Gareth's meticulous yeah. planning fair and enough. preparation. No, that's fair enough. I don't I, I don't want to uh, rain on your parade. <laughs> so since you, since you have done your homeworks, let's uh, let's dive straight in with your, your talking points. What have you got? Uh, who's going to well, start? Lee, so, go on then. Go on then. I've, I've, so obviously I've got three because that's what we have to do because that's what he makes to do, teacher. Um, so the first one is, it wasn't pretty, but it didn't have to be. The next one is, Purdy stepped up when needed. And was three weeks rest too much? Those are my three talking points. Mm-hmm. Three good points there. Paul, what have you got? Well, Gareth, my three are all you need is Brock. That's my quarterback. Number two, all about Dre. And yes, the rumour has it that he is still running around at Levi's 
despite the shouts of get down, get down, which I'm sure all of us on this side of the pond were shouting. And my third talking point, you alluded to it, all aboard the 49er faithful UK emotional roller coaster. We saw the good, the bad, the ugly, and I'm not just talking about Brett Sinclair on that video call, which me and Lee have touched upon, but as the UK faithful went through it all, like you said, it had to be mentioned because we've coined that phrase a couple of years ago and we hadn't had to use it, but here we are. Mm, three good points there. Uh, I think overlaps with mine. I've got uh, perhaps more some advice for people about riding the roller coaster. Since we haven't really been through it this season, we compared to the last couple of years, it has been quite a, a routine season of, of some fairly uh, straightforward wins, shall we say. So uh, welcome return of the roller coaster. Uh, I'd like to mention perhaps just a, a few players who are unsung heroes. And I think I've got a little bit, again, overlap. Just really character and clutch. Something there uh, to sum up some of the team's performance. Hmm, where should we start then? I, th- I think we'll start gently. Three weeks being too much, Lee. Really? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fair enough question. Was three, three weeks uh, rest too much? I've, I've, I've got a theory. I don't think it's so much to do with the rest. I, I think the players had this preconceived idea that Saturday's game wasn't going to be against the Packers. I think they were geared up to going up against the Eagles again, and that's where they were mentally. So the fact that we went up against the Packers, I, I think that's kind of taken them out of the gear that they should have been in, because we, we didn't look right. That that wasn't our normal game. We looked out of sorts. Um, I, I can't believe three weeks rest was too much. I don't think it was rust. I, I think it was more of a case of they weren't mentally prepared for that game. They weren't up for it as much as what they would have been up for in the Eagles game, had it been the Eagles there. Mm, fair point. Um, I, I think they've probably looked at the Packers the same way uh, as a lot of the fans did. Now, I'm guilty of I'm guilty of that because I wanted the Packers. I thought the Packers was going to be the easier game. Um, obviously, it turned out not to be that case. But I think you can't help but think that. I think that's gone through the player's mind. We play, we play in the Eagles. We get the Eagles at home, and we're going to absolutely destroy them like we destroyed them in the regular season, because that that grudge from last year isn't over. I I think they wanted to put on a show and absolutely batter them, and then as soon as the Eagles have been knocked out, it's been oh, oof, we've only got the Packers now, mm. and I think that's been it. It shouldn't be that because the professional athletes, but you can't help it. I think it's a natural thing. They're human beings as well. Yeah, exactly. So. Is three weeks too much? I don't think so. I don't think it was rust. Paul, why in? I mean, why the 49ers had the strangest, most mistake-prone game of the season in the playoffs is a difficult one to answer, and I thought we might start here. The rain was a factor. You saw people slipping over. You saw mistakes happen. But it's the playoffs. It's January. I think Lee's got a good point there. I think we were guilty. Um, I had a bit of blowback in the group. I did the scouting report last week, Lee. And when me and Gareth did the show, I was very confident because this Packers defence was bottom five in every metric. Um, I didn't really see Jordan Love coming in and putting on a show. And I do want to dampen some of the talk I've seen because I don't think he was that good. And I've got the stats to back it up. But I think you're right. I think the fact that we were the number one seed. I think this argument of them coming in hot, I think the end of the game has proven, Gareth, they ran out of steam that last minute. Um, I've seen some of the talking heads talk about the Packers played a great game for 57 minutes, but in playoff football, you play for 60 minutes. I think the fact that CMC was back to his best, Brock was healthy. I just think it was one of those things. And people, chaps, have been talking about wanting to see this from the 49ers. They've seen it and they're still not happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What do you reckon of the rust versus rest argument then, Gareth? Because we touched upon it on Thursday night, but... Mm. It's, it's uh, I think possibly the the rust element possibly counted against us in the in the first half, though I don't know that it was necessarily some of the 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 rust. Um, I think it was possibly due due to losing Debo, who was clearly a big part of that game plan and the scripted plays, and and probably our entire game plan, and it throws it clearly threw Shanahan off and I think it, it throws off the players around as well because suddenly they're unsure of, of quite how uh, the offence is going to set up to attack. So I think that was part of it and I think 
maybe the rest does count against you in the in the first half, but I think the rest worked in our favour in the second half, as you've alluded to. You just saw into the third that third quarter, you really saw, I think, the, the energy level of the Packers begin to drop. Whereas we, particularly on the defensive side, seem to get better and better, seem to get stronger. I think there were clearly a lot of very exhausted people at the end of the game, certainly with uh, Dre there, with the uh, the Weeble, which Weebles wobble, but they never fall down. Um, was a was a TV advert for a kid's toy, if you are of a certain age and didn't understand the reference. But uh, we seemed to grow into the game. We got more up to speed just at the point that the Packers were drip, uh, dropping off. And I think we did well to keep close enough in the game when they were in the ascendancy to make sure that we came through at the end. And that's, that's exactly what, uh, what happened. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a tough one. There's so many variables there, but I think come the third and fourth quarter, I'm glad we had that rest. Uh, and that's ultimately, that's when you win games, isn't it? Third and fourth quarter, not first and second. You so. mentioned there, Gareth, about Debo. Um, so I was watching our good friend, John Chapman, and he was very critical mm-hmm of those first drives. And he said, after we ran CMC on the first play, we went to an empty backfield. And I was smirking because I was thinking, John, you just need to listen to 49 Faithful UK. We went to an empty backfield because the Packers are the worst in the league at defending that when you've got a running back like CMC in the pass game. And that's what Kyle scripted, but Debo's injury affected that, like you said. And a few people were critical of Steve Wilkes, but before we get into all talking points, the defence, again... Bend but not break. I mean, Green Bay's first three drives totaled 34 players, 190 yards, but ended in two field goals, six points. And we saw that movie against the Eagles, and I wasn't worried going at halftime. And and like you said, Lee alluded to the stat, so I've got that in my talking point. So I don't know whether we just jump into that now, Lee, now we've segued. I was going to say it's the the not pretty, but didn't have to. I think that sums up quite a lot of the stuff we're talking about there. Um, particularly some some of the miscues. I think some. Uh, I think Shanahan had a bit of an off game. However, much of that was Debo. There was some strange play calling, some strange use of players. I think you've made me think of it there with the Packers defending running backs out of the backfield. Can't think that McCaffrey caught a pass. I might be wrong at that, or he didn't catch many. But anyway, Lee, you uh, you mentioned it, so you should take it away. Yeah. So the, the danger we have here is I'm going to basically review the whole game. Because of what it was. Rain yourself in. Um, <laughs> what, what specifically wasn't pretty? Pretty much everything up to the last drive wasn't pretty. It just seemed disjointed, like you said. Disjointed. disjointed. Yeah. We, we just didn't seem to be on, on the same uh, wavelength as each other. Shanahan had an off game. It just didn't look like the 49ers team. But... It didn't need to look good because we ground out the result. And I think this, so this is where I'll go with the stuff that Paul's got. So the stat I brought up in the start of the fourth quarter is Shanahan has never come back from a fourth quarter deficit Mm. in 30 attempts. So I I was, that was me done. I was like, yeah, that's it. Can't say he's winning this now. And obviously the the Packers uh, drove down within field goal different uh, distance. So yeah, this is it. This is going to be the game game ceiling field goal here. Put them seven points ahead, and then they miss it. And I still, I still wasn't quite sure. So even after we scored, even after we scored, and McCaffrey ran into the end zone, straight away I said to the guys on the call, "They've still got one minute left. All they need is field goal. We've left far too much time on the clock." So when Drake Greenlaw intercepted it because I'd already resigned myself to the fact the Packers were going to walk all the way down there, kick a field goal, and it's going to overtime. That's that's caused the reaction. I Mm. think had I been more confident, I probably wouldn't have woken up the rest of the household. And Like I said, I did wake up the rest of the household, and I did apologise to the guys. I I, I just couldn't keep it in. Uh, it, It had to come out. Yeah, that was the stat I was going to allude to, Gareth. So, I mean, um generally known for being optimistic. Brett kept saying that on Saturday. Uh, Steve Downey, who was on the call, kept saying that. And In between the video call with Lee and the chaps, me and Jay Peplo, um, obviously he's bounced back, he's in the group again. We always have a tradition where we, we message each other 
And if you've been around Jay, you know he's infectious, you know he's positive. And me and Jay were like, we've got this. And I was dropping him a message. I was like, oh no, Lee's lost the faith. That stat's come out. We're 0-30 in the fourth quarter. And I was all last week, Lee, I was very confident. And even at that point, I was thinking, this doesn't feel like the movie we've seen before. Cast your mind back to when Aaron Rodgers was at the Packers. And they came into Levi's, I think it was week three, regular season game. And I think Juice scored a go-ahead touchdown and there was about 38 seconds left on the clock. Mm, yeah. And I, I thought, there's too much time on the clock. And Rodgers came out and he went, Adams, 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 Crosby field goal. Now, I didn't have that feeling on Saturday night, Sunday morning. I don't know whether I was a bit delirious because Brett kept threatening to punch my face in because my stream was ahead in the first half. So the comedy value, Gareth, is Brett kept threatening to drive to Darlington kept reminding him that I live in Middlesbrough, but he kept saying, didn't he, Lee, I'm going to drive to Darlington. So yeah. I didn't keep my emotions in check in the first half. So the second half, I decided to, and then Lee went absolutely crazy. <laughs> and yeah, I've, I won't go down my rabbit hole just yet, because like Lee, we could be talking about that forever and ever. I think it's, yeah, it it wasn't pretty. <sighs> I there's there's been something about this team where it's difficult to count us out because I in that third quarter I began thinking how would I be feeling if I was a Packers fan and I'd be nervous because I'd be thinking we have dominated this game why are we only up by one score and I was trying to think if we'd been the other way around and we've been there we've been there dominating and not taking that apart in the last few years we remember a couple of games where we've moved the ball but ended up grounding out in the red zone and we end up walking away with field goals and then opponents particularly I remember Seahawks suddenly you know they'll get that lucky play they'll get that special teams play the muff punt or something like that and suddenly we'll have had all of the game and we'll only be a point or two ahead and I that's what kept me going, I think, through the third quarter, through, as you've said, the not pretty bits where we just couldn't get going. But the fact that we weren't 17 points down at half time, I took as being very positive because you thought you we all know this in the game. It ebbs and flows. You get the momentum and you lose momentum. And no team, I don't think, has ever, ever really dominates throughout all four quarters. And I always felt if we could keep it tight into the fourth quarter, that's where the fitness, the home field advantage, anything else might start to come through. So it wasn't pretty, but I, and I, it's, I'm not going to say I wasn't nervous, and I'm not going to say I wasn't at, at certain points thinking, oh God, what are we going to say on the podcast if we've lost this? How are we going to unpack this? But I, you can't count this team out. And I remember this this time last year, that game against Philadelphia without a quarterback, it well into the, fourth, the beginning of the fourth quarter, I was still thinking, if the defence can make a play, if we can get a short field, McCaffrey can easily get pull out a 70, 80-yard touchdown. We've seen it. Um, there's just something about this team that you keep thinking, even when we're playing badly, we're never out of it. So, well, yeah. That's, as you said, Gareth, it wasn't pretty. It's not pretty. take an ugly win. Every day of the week over a pretty loss um, and we'll yeah. go down there. I mean, yeah, exactly. you talked about the Packers missing that field goal and I'm smirking. A lot of heat on Jake Moody. Third round pick. The Packers waited till the sixth round and there's a couple of lads at my flag football team, Packers fans, and they are raging, raging over the kicker because ultimately they believe it came down to that. I think the, the rainy conditions didn't help, but uh, yeah, I, I kept the faith and... I don't know whether we go down this rabbit hole now about the reactions in the group or whether you want to... I'll let you decide well, the talking no, point. No, no, yeah, because I, I just want to um, tell Gareth that I disagree that we were dominated. I, I don't think we were dominated. I think the Green Bay Packers played some good football in the first half. But I also think... The, and, and I hate going down this uh, avenue. But I also think they had a helping hand from the officials because mm-hmm. I think there was some soft calls. Ambry Thomas in the... Uh, I think it was the first quarter. In fact, I think it was the, the same drive where they were lucky enough that uh, Mooney Ward slipped over. So there was a mm. wide open Romeo Dobbs. Otherwise, he'd, he'd been on him like glue. And then I think it was a couple of players after that. Ambry Thomas basically got uh, defensive pass interference and he basically brushed past his jersey. It, it was the softest DPI I have ever seen. So some of the calls were ridiculously soft on us. So that, that was one of the calls that I'd like to bring up. The other call was the uh, the personal foul 
on Trent Williams when when Jonathan Owens <laughs> threw himself to the ground. Yeah, and the official was right next to him, and it was him that started it. Yeah, the flag went against Trent Williams. So it was stuff like that that was giving them yardage that they weren't really earning on the ground or through the air. So yes, they did play well. Hats off to them. They were a lot better team than what I thought they were. But I wouldn't have said they dominated us. Okay. Oh yeah, I'd agree. Perhaps uh, they they certainly dominated the time. So why your neck in, Ellis? And <laughs> Gareth, right, then. Where's, where got, can I mute it? I'm coming okay. swinging to back my friendly Gowland up because 21 of the Packers' points. You deep dive into the stats, Lee, and I've got a full comparison of Brock versus Jordan. But this one was important, Gareth. 17 of their 21 points came from three bad players. Mm. Andrew Thomas, you could argue, was responsible for 10 points. And the special team's field position for one of the kickoffs, which, again, was a knock on Moody, gives up the seven points. And we touched upon six points in the first half. So all week we've heard about this hot offence. Jordan loves the new coming of Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Obviously, we all saw what happened, which we're going to get to with Dre Greenlaw. But like you said, they did start better than us. They did play better than us. But I'd seen this movie before. Same like with the Eagles. The Eagles put two field goals on us. But... As I said at the start, Gareth, NFC Championship, baby. That's all that mattered. Oh, and it wasn't was. pretty, but my God, it was enjoyable. I'll, I'll, I'll get back in my box and let you talk <laughs> about the, the roller coaster then. Sorry, Lee. Well, so, so, so Paul mentioned special teams, and that's another good point. It's something I've got on there. Well, why was Sammy Warmack a healthy scratch? I think he was definitely missed on special teams. The, the tackling just wasn't there. When we were punting the ball, we are kicking the ball off. It just wasn't there. And when we were punting or kicking off, we didn't really have that person who could down the ball in in the uh, the final five yards. Um, so that's an interesting one because obviously we know that, Not that you're biased, we know that Shanahan no. wasn't particularly keen on uh, Womack's what was it run defense. He didn't really put himself in the way of danger, which is quite surprising because when you see him on special teams, he hurls down there like a missile and he absolutely batters the runner that's catching the ball. So it's quite surprising. And it just, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit bemused by the fact that it was a healthy scratch. When special teams could make a break, your Absolutely. postseason playoff run. Absolutely. You, you need your special teams to be on fire. And I think when... Whenever we talk about special teams, and it's not just me being biased, yeah. but the first person you think of on special teams this season who's played well is Sammy Womack. Every time he's on there, he, he makes a player every single game, and he was missing. And that player could have been the difference between winning and losing. Yeah. It may have only just been he, he stopped the runner five yards earlier than what uh, he, somebody else would have done, but that's another five yards that the offence have to get the ball down the field. Little things like that. It's 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 checks and balances in the um, in the postseason. It's, it's, it's a game of inches, isn't it? I can tell. It, hasn't, it has annoyed us. I mean, there's a couple of decisions, like you said. I mean, Shanahan made some strange decisions. One of them starting Logan Ryan over um, over uh, Jay Brown. Talk about. I, that, I thought though, Logan Ryan had a conference. few players where he was absolutely he was garbage. terrible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, we'll put, they'll put that one down to us, definitely. But uh, that was on my list. With digressing yeah. a bit, since since, yeah. since you've mentioned it, Logan Ryan and I think and Sean Gibson, he was so good last year, and he's yeah. been a real non-factor throughout this entire year. And I think again, he had he had another do you not um, think game where he did, didn't excel. Do you not think it's to do with Wilkes though, Gareth? That's how he's asking them to play, like Logan isn't the safety like a fanger. He's not J.R. Brown. Shanahan said afterwards, Lee, the reason they didn't start Brown was basically nothing against Brown. Shanahan actually said, quote, I love the kid. He's been great in practice, but they were worried putting a rookie out there. They were worried he might be over-aggressive. They were worried, I think, the Packers would target. But you're right. I think Logan missed a couple of tackles. I think Gibson, there was a soft penalty on him, Gareth. But these yeah. things in the playoffs, you start thinking, oh, God, is that going to happen? Maybe Warmack Lee has been stashed because the way Thomas played, they didn't want another injury out there. So they thought special teams. I'm just clutching at straws because I know Warmack. I was surprised to see him as a healthy scratch when I saw the inactives come through. So anyway, we we have rabbit hole a bit there. Riding the roller coaster. That was a uh, uh, one of yours, Paul, and one of mine. Yeah, safe to say, Gareth. One fifteen a.m. kickoff. Good luck to everybody on this side of the pond who tried to get to sleep after that. But I wanted to start with saying the fire Shanahan 
takes that I saw. And I get this is an emotional sport. We're all invested. But in the last 21 seasons, so from 2003 to 2023, the 49ers have had a winning record seven of those seasons. Funnily enough, in each of those seasons, chaps, we got the NFC Championship game. But I just think people need to think about the fire Shanahan talk. Yes, some of the play column wasn't great. And it's well knownly that we love Kyle Shanahan on this show. But it doesn't mean he can't be critiqued. And we're the first to come out mm-hmm. and say, actually, this should have gone that way. But talks about firing the guy. When they took over in 2017, they alluded to rebuilding this team from the ground up. And it's safe to say they have. They've instilled the culture which you saw at the start of the game. You've got players on other NFL teams rocking Niners gear on the sidelines in the linebacker group. Solomon Thomas was rocking CMC jersey. Al Shahaya was in doing the linebacker warm-up. You don't see that at other teams. And I just think that when they took over, they said they wanted to be contenders year on, year out. And they've delivered on that promise. So for me... (laughs) Fire Shanahan talks. Some people might have been drinking something a bit stronger than Fireball. And I know it was early hours of the morning, but I don't know about you two chaps. I wanted to start there. And I have got some stats for CMC. He did catch the ball a few times, Gareth, but I'll get into that a little bit later, buddy. That's true, maybe. So you've actually brought up my very last point on Minos, which was entitled fans. So I just think it's relevant to the roller coaster because... Totally. I mean... I'm not a drinker at the moment, so I'm stone cold sober. I stayed off the Discord chat. Uh, I was in the video chat with Lee and some of the others. I was talking to Jim. He was also stone cold sober. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I I think our community that we've we've built is amazing. It's fantastic to see the interaction. Like you've said, Gareth, the emotional roller coaster. It may be some people's first time aboard (laughs) because let's face it, the last 18 months have been nothing but plain sailing, but there were some outrageous ta- takes, Lee, and you've said it better than me, entitled fans, for want of a better word. We've been spoiled. We've, we've got the best team in the NFL. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You, you already know what the argument is coming from, from that side of the fence, the other side of the fence. Maybe turn around saying, well, you, you must be happy to lose year in, year out. Well, we're not. We get the end safe championship game. Yes, the ultimate goal is the Super Bowl. You're not going to win it every year. But if you're competing for it every year, it is you, you have to class it as a success in a way because you can go back to the Chip Kelly years, the Jim Tomsuli years. That that had anybody turned on and said, oh, well, it was a good season. You know, we got four wins there. Chip Kelly, he got us two wins, two wins a season. You've got to be happy with that, don't you? If somebody's saying that, then yes, they do like to lose. <laughs> but if you're making the NFC Championship game four years out of uh, five, then you can't be complaining. You can't be. Mm. And I, I, I just don't get that mentality. The brand yeah. of football we've made, the players we've got. I mean, we used to do our meetups, Lee, because we knew we weren't going to be in the Super Bowl. We used to plan a Super Bowl party at the end of the year because we couldn't be accused of jinxing it. And now, this year, everyone's like, Super Bowl plans. We're like, oh, we're just taking each week as it comes, each game at a time. So <laughs> you, I, you know, you talk about jinx, Paul. You talk about jinx. And when later on with the PSA, if anything should happen on Sunday night or early hours of Monday morning uh, and it doesn't go the way we hope it goes, it's going to be a complete meltdown. Well, but no, what did you make, Gareth? Did you see any of the takes that we're talking about? Because obviously I was dipping in and out of the social media. We've got a great admin team that keeps nine it. And I, I will say, I don't think anybody went over the line. I think Simon had put a message on reminding people of the language and we've had good feedback from another fan chapter president who said, your group's quite level-headed. I see some quite calm and we don't use the foul and abusive language that you see on others. But that said, it's emotional. We're over at the business end of the season. So I do get it at some degree. I just wanted to knock off the fire Shanahan talk. But what do you make of it all, Gareth? That's it. I think that's the the advice about rolling, riding the roller coaster. I'm not saying people are necessarily new fans, but I think it is. There's something about the way that the NFL is is play by play by play. You can analyse it. I think if you're watching soccer or rugby, the game is just constantly moving. You don't get that time to kind of dwell. Whereas I think because of because of the way it's it's in these bite sized chunks. When someone misses a field goal, when someone drops a catch. You know, you you dwell on it in a way that if you're watching soccer, if someone does a misplaced pass or what have you, the game just moves on 
and you and you kind of forgotten it's part of the rhythm of the game, and uh, it's it's all too easy to just get frustrated at one thing you see, then there's a long ad break, and then you sit there and you go on your phone and you and and you vent it vent it out, and obviously you know people I'm not lecturing people on how they they should enjoy their being a fan, but I think there is something about this game that kind of lends itself to those instant reactions in a way that some other sports don't. Um, and I think just, you know, you've got to ride the rhythm of that game and look at look at everything that's happened and not that one missed field goal or that one, you know, George Kittle missed an easy catch, been George Kittle. George Kittle should be off the team now. He should be gone. Let's get rid of him for a fifth-round pick because he dropped an easy catch. No one's going to say that. That's, that's absurd. But that's what we hear with other things. One quarterback does a bad throw or kicker misses one kick. Obviously, it turns out that George's drop didn't didn't actually matter. It wasn't an end zone drop, but it's still it's that moment that you can get really wrapped up and overanalyze that moment. And I think it's just enjoy it because if this is playoff football, you're going to face good teams. The games are going to be tough. Your opponents are gonna make really good plays. There was I don't remember which receiver it was, but he made the outrageous catch down by the sideline when Love had got flushed out of the pocket, was on the run, slung it, and you think, no, there's no way he's caught that. And yet he's got his feet, it's well in bounds. Yeah. Um, same with their touchdown. You know, this these are the teams we're gonna play. They're gonna have good players. They're going to do good plays. You know, you've you've got to accept it and just say, We've got those sort of players as well. We can do it. Um, and I think I'm I'm not going to dwell too much on the um, on the fire Shanahan as that instant reaction. But one of the amusing things is that people say, "Oh, Shanahan's wasting this team. He built that team from nothing. That team is his players playing his way, and he's got those players to excel, and he's turned those players, offensive players certainly, into the all pros that they are. And then you're going to say you're going to fire the guy that's built that. Uh, you know, people just perhaps just need to. I've take got, a deep uh, breath. I've got and a little... I found that with everything. Take a deep breath before you post something and and double think about it. But I've got that's a, a little snippet I'm not lecture people. A little snippet that shows you how much this team plays for Shanahan. So when Debo went off Gareth, you know they've got the player calls on the wristband. And we all remember the Joanne Jennings going in in the Debo role, getting the ball handed off, and we were all thinking, he's not known for that speed. Shanahan's came up and said, That's on me. I didn't change the play calling. So when Brock's said whatever the, the the terminology is, Joanne Jennings has just heard his name, heard the play call, and gone and lined up. Other receivers and other teams would have gone, hang on, hang on a minute, that, that, that that's not what I'm going to do. And it's refreshing to see Shanahan come out and own that Gareth where I think a few years ago he might not have done. And I think the growth as a head coach is what he's shown me anyway. So I just wanted to share that tidbit before we moved on. Well, if we don't know about Joanne Jennings... If we talk about John Jennings while we wait for Gareth to come back on there, um, two two players really stand out. Um, and I don't think either one of them was actually touching the ball. So one of them was where he drove the defender, n- not only off the off the field, but into a Gatorade um, table, and he kept on having a quarter. I love what John Jennings brings to the team. He absolutely winds up the opposition, and I think it's great. He's got this way of getting under the skin, which obviously is going to draw flags later on in the game if he keeps on uh, mouthing away at them. And that, that's good for us because they're losing their cool. It's taking their mind off exactly what they're supposed to be doing. They're no longer, they're no longer concentrating on the game. And I think that's great what he does. And, that and he, player you're th- talking about was on their sideline as well, which made it even it, better. Yeah, yeah. He pushed him yeah. into there. It was on their sideline. I was waiting that's for right. the flag. <laughs> Well, there was a load of the uh, the Packers staff trying to drag him off him, trying to separate them, and he was still having a go. He was still going for it, and that's why I love John Jennings. Mm. And I really hope, however we do it, but I really hope in the off season we get to keep him. Yeah, we just segued into Jennings mm. while we're waiting for you, Gareth. So we'll, we'll go back to the order and keep it right now. That, no, that was uh, Jennings was right there on my unsung heroes list, which was one of my points. And I, it, you know, we we know these players, but I think it was the game where I mean McCaffrey had a good game, and obviously Warner was still around. But it was a game where perhaps our um, next level of players uh, really 
shined and showed some of their value, like Juwan Jennings, like Dre Greenlaw, who I think was probably the game's MVP. I think that's yeah. probably fair yeah. to say. Um, Chris Conley, one catch, but it was a hell of a catch at the important time. I think the O-line did well. They gave up one sack. I don't think pressure was uh, down to, to Purdy's um, off game. I, I think the O-line did well in tough conditions. Um, and Jake Moody nailed, nailed the field goal when he needed to. I'm not sure everyone kind of wants to blame the kicker when there's a block, but I'm sometimes yeah. not totally sure that the kicker's done a lot wrong. Uh, sometimes somebody just gets gets up and gets their hand up in the right place at that right moment. Yeah, so there's a name you missed there, and I was kind of expecting no, you uh, saying this name as well, Oren Burks. I was going to leave leave you a few names, Oren Burks. Yeah, Oren Burks. I thought Oren Burks had a good game. Mm-hmm. It was good to see him back, putting in the hits. Um, and like you said, it, it's not the big names that kind of stood up. It was some of the more, not unknown players, but yeah, the it's supporting cast. It's, I mean, it's Dre, y- Yvonne game, Kinlaw. not Bosa or yeah, Warner. Y- Yvonne Kinlaw had a really good game. Mm-hmm. It's that culture. And it's good to see that. They elevated two players off the practice squad and didn't dress them, so they got paid. There's been rumours that players on the practice squad have refused to go to other teams because they want to stay money. around this team. And we're going to get into Brock later, Gareth, but I'm confused. I thought Brock could only play well with weapons, but he yeah. was thrown to Rayway McLeod. He was thrown to Chris Connolly, like, like, like you've said. Hang on, which, which one is it? He can only play with the superstars. Or he can elevate people's games around him. I mean, come on, chaps. Game manager we're talking about here. Well, maybe I can't say that Purdy's the un- unsung hero, but before, any any players you'd like to mention before we go on to Purdy? Purdy talk? I think they were the ones that I uh, I had, particularly just to, to step up. I mean, Jennings, that high-pointed catch, that's that's as good a catch as you'll see. Fair enough, it's not the one-handed wow toe-tapper, but... That is that's as good as a catch as you'll see in the NFL, and he, he had to make it. Yeah, in the placement of the throw, to. you need was to check absolutely out, on the money. Check out my Twitter account because someone shared a view of that throw, and it's slow yeah, motion. Saw that. Slow motion. Yeah. To be honest, Gareth, yeah. I titled it "Hang It in the Louvre" because if Nadji was with us, Nad, that's the throw Nadji would be talking about. And it looks even better when the defender leaps and it goes over his arm. Yeah. And we'll talk about some of his other throws. The only name I'd mention is Feliciano. I think he's been a bit of an unsung mm. hero all season. You mentioned defensive line. I think it's nice that he's getting the bulk of the snaps, but Burford's coming in. It's clear Burford's the future. But I would like to see Feliciano stay next year because he's been a welcome surprise for me. So so I like John Feliciano, but I hate to point out that it was uh, him who allowed the sack. <laughs> Yeah, can't be better than that. He, he had a good game, but he, yeah. he he was the one responsible for the sack. Um, but then again, obviously, Purdy held on to the ball quite a bit there, waiting for it to, to, to open up. And it was more of a coverage sack than anything else mm-hmm. because all the receivers were completely covered, defenders mm-hmm. tight to them. Um, so it's, it's understandable that he was sacked in that instance, but it did come through Feliciano. I just thought I had to mention that. Um, but you're right. I mean, I'm with Paul. Really hope that we can keep all of them next season. Um, whether not we do is a different matter. Yeah. But yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. The only other player I was going to mention is is Dion Dolanor, but I'll mention that on the player watch. Uh, Brock Purdy. Yeah. Brock steps up. and He, he did step up. So he did have a bit of a shaky uh, start to the game. Um, he grew into the game as it went on. Like like you said, Gareth, I mean, the second half, he was much better than the first half. Um, it was wet. He, he experimented with a glove, the glove on, the glove off, um, trying to wipe his hand just before he threw the ball. Um, you could see he was having a, a few issues with it. His accuracy wasn't great. Um, he, he wasn't particularly getting the ball to where he wanted it to go. Um, but despite all that, despite all that, he still came good in the end. He did it when he needed to do it in the clutch situation. And that's all you can ask. And he's in his second season and he's taken us to our second NFC Championship game. So I th- I think, and I'm going to use a, um, I'm going to use a phrase that uh, Nino Graham used in the uh, in one of his posts early on, the goalposts keep on changing for mm. Brock Purdy, which is unfair. 
it's very unfair. And even Richard Sherman, I'm going to nick what he said on Twitter as well. It's unfair that the whole and Brock Purdy up to a, a, a number one overall pick or a first round pick quarterback when he does stuff badly. But when he does stuff really good, they don't hold him up to the same elite standards. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's a it's hypocrisy. Well, it's interesting you say that. So I did uh, a pod after hours last week, Gareth, with a good friend of the show, Andy Davies, who's a Dolphins fan, and he had me and Ollie Hope on for a 49ers perspective. And he actually asked me, and I've, I've wrote the quote down, he was talking about Brock Purdy, and he said, as a 49ers fan, are you worried that this game manager is the reason that you don't win games? And in a game like Saturday, Sunday night, it could come down to the better quarterback and he hasn't proven that he can put the team on his back or he can lead a fourth quarter comeback. Now, prepping for tonight, Lee, my title is All You Need Is Brock. Because our title for the show is All You Need Is Love. And there was a lot of love for the Green Bay Packers' first-round pick. Brock Purdy, mystery relevant Gareth, QB3, 18 months ago. 24 years of age, he's played 28 career games. Least all my thunder with that. He's won three playoff games and he's led the Niners to two. NFC Championship games. He's led the league in most categories. You want your quarterback to lead the league in the NFL. He's been in the MVP talk for 80% of the season. Yet people still say game manager, dunk and dink. What can he do? It's well known, the love for Brock on this pod. And I just wanted to kind of come on tonight, Gareth, and say, you can add another tick because that fourth quarter comeback has now been ticked off. My yeah. good friend Lee Gowland was worried Definitely about that on Sunday morning in the early hours. You can add that on the list. Now, that drive, before we get into the drive, Lee, um, I just wanted to give people some context. So I've got the stats, Gareth, of the two quarterbacks. So Jordan Love, the superstar who was wild the NFL, 21 for 34 on Saturday night, 194 passing yards, 5.7 yards per attempt, two passing touchdowns, Two interceptions that a certain Mr. Hope called for. We'll get into that in the bold predictions. Zero sacks and the 72.4 QBR rating. Brock Purdy, who was supposed to be that terrible, we should be looking for a new quarterback. 23 for 39. 252 passing yards. I did call for 300, but I let Brock off. 6.5 yards per attempt. So I'm confused. His yards per attempt went further than Jordan Love's. That's a different game that I've been told about. Only one passing touchdown, but zero interceptions, which is the key stat we were looking for. One sack and an 86.7 QBR rating. And there were people still criticising Brock heading into that final drive. So before I go into the final drive, Gareth, are you going to come and back us up with Brock? Or is this where you say, Paul, Lee, he's a mistake. (laughs) Totally. I think it's... Yeah, we've seen it with other tweets as well. Brock just seems to, there seems to be different rules for him. Um, the fact that at other times people will say, oh, look, he, look, he played a bad game, look at his QBR rating. And then when his QBR rating is good, people will go, oh, well, those, those numbers don't mean anything. And it's it's this flip-flop to, to contradict yourself from one week to the other. That, oh, he didn't do this, he hasn't got a big arm. And then you go, well, yeah, but look at look at the air yards he's got compared to all these other quarterbacks. And he's he's got... You would think he's got a bigger arm than like Josh Allen from from the stats that are coming out. Oh uh, yeah, but uh, and then you come up with something else, and it's like oh yeah, but but Brock Purdy played bad in the games that you lost, but when you win, it's nothing to do with him. But when you lose, it's entirely him. And I know that's a little bit of a lot of a quarterback. Anyway, it's it's part of how the game works. If if you win, it's it's the quarterback. If you lose, it's the quarterback. But. Uh, it's the intangibles as well. And that's what I think people are failing to recognise, that some some of these guys just come in and look right. And I think if you want to see it, because technically he's got more games than Jordan Love. Obviously, Jordan Love was the first round pick and has been in the league longer. And we've seen Brock make some high-risk throws. But I don't think we've seen a game lost, like iced, as in losing the game at the moment, due to a bad Brock Purdy pass. Whereas Jordan Love did. And he came out and said it, and he's admitted, and he stood up to it, and fair play to him that he lost that game because they were they were first and ten, they had plenty of time. He didn't have to; that wasn't time expiring. He made that poor decision, and he threw that game away. Brock has never done that. 
I don't mm. think he's ever he's ever done that. Fair enough, we we he played badly in against the Ravens, though that was mostly I think a bit of luck and tip passes. But you haven't seen it get to that point where it suddenly it's on that one bad decision. Um, and in fact, he did the opposite. So well, look at Jordan uh-oh. Lovely. So when they went twenty-one fourteen up, not allowed to a speak. Lot of, a lot of people are critical. Well, put my homework in. A lot of people are critical of Brock, but Jordan Love when it was twenty-one fourteen went six for twelve for twenty-nine yards and two interceptions, and that is a killer in the playoffs. And that's all I wanted to get. Yeah. in. I'm, I'm sick of seeing Jordan Love as a superstar. And he's he's mild head of Brock Purdy. You try to be Superman. We we don't need Superman at QB. We just need number thirteen. To do what it keeps it's the intangible. It's it's level-headed, and the fact that nothing really seems to bother Brock. Yeah. So what I was going to say is, uh, and this shouldn't matter at all, but Brock Purdy is four hundred and twenty days younger than Jordan Love. Uh, and when Jordan Love made that pass, I think it was Greg Olson. He turned around and said, "Well, that's a typical pass you would expect of a rookie like Jordan Love." I said, "Well, hang on here. He's no rookie." What was it? Three seasons ago. It's first 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 full season though. So I guess yeah. yeah. That's first season starting, but I mean, he's been in the league for three seasons, sat behind Aaron Rodgers, arguably one of the best quarterbacks that's played the game. Mm. With a good offensive coach. Yeah. And as we've heard about, you know, talented weapons, they might not be the household names, but everyone's talked about how, how well his, his receivers and he's got a great O-line, um, some talent there at tight end and running back, but apparently that's all Jordan Love, whereas, yeah, Brock's... Brock's but maybe yeah, so because they were a bit it, more established. It, again, where it's unfair with Brock is somebody turned around and said, oh, well, his last drive was per, uh, a good drive because he was checking down all the time. Well, hang on here. What about the pass to Chris Conley? Yeah. What, what about the pass to Ayuk? Those weren't check downs. I mean, and, and the scramble. Yeah. And the, and nine, the, scramble, the yeah. nine yard scramble where sometimes you just got to get it done. Other yeah. quarterbacks get uh, credit for that, knowing when to run. And and make getting it with your legs as well as your arm, but no, that was just oh no, Brock. You should you should have thrown it there. I, don't know. I think what makes that final drive better. Trent Williams has come out and said they got in the huddle, and they were like, "Look, there's six minutes on the clock. This could be it. This could be the last time that this team's in the huddle." And it's kind of that moment that we talk about Montana and the Bengals and the drive. And they said they were just so impressed. Brock was like, it "Doesn't matter what's happened beforehand. Twelve play." 69-yard drive. And you touched upon it earlier, Gareth. That dropped pass from Kittle didn't rattle him. And they just dusted it down and got back up. He was actually credited with 11 rushing yards for that. And if you've tuned in this morning and watched the highlights of the Chiefs' bills and see me Holmes running around and Josh Allen running around, you're right, Gareth, people gush over that. But Purdy kept that drive alive. Mm. And this is what we're saying. He's, let, he's put the team on his decision. back. He's put the team on his back like he's been asked to do. He's marches up the field and won the game yeah some people are coming out I don't know if you've seen Lee some of the talking heads are like oh well it doesn't count because it was only it wasn't 10 points it wasn't 12 points yeah, it wasn't 14 points stuff. like you said the goal post Keyshawn that Neil mentioned ridiculous yeah w- wouldn't even have him on the show <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's it we'll, we'll, we'll move on from that I think other than um, it's it's what these these narratives are but I think every Niners fans, we all know the catch. We all know Joe Montana. He turned the ball over four times in that game. No one remembers that. No. Yeah, you exactly. What they remember is the pass he made at the end, yeah. not the interceptions and fumble. So, I, I don't anyway. know what you two thought. I also saw someone say in the group that CMC had a bad game. And you mentioned the stats, Gareth. He only had seven catches, but it was 30 receiving yards. That many had... catches? I, 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 must have, I, I didn't... They must he have had... passed me by in the, in the sort of half-asleep haze. He had 98 rushing yards. That's 150. He had two touchdowns, 5.8 yards per carry. It wasn't that he had a bad game. The issue was Shanahan only rushed the ball 24 times and he passed the ball 39 times. Now, we were yeah. behind. Mm. So, so, yeah. so that was the thing that I was quite surprised about. We didn't run the ball as much as we, what, what we normally did. But We went behind. We've yeah. seen that every single time. But you talk about like EPA, next-gen stats. McCaffrey had like 10... It's his 10th game with at least 10 extra yards that he's not expected to get that final touchdown when he just burst through. So when I saw CMC's had a bad game, I was thinking, 
am I watching the different game to this? So I know he wasn't lights out like his standards are high. <laughs> yeah, that is that is probably a bad game for CMC, isn't it? It, it wasn't three touchdowns and 150 yards. So he got me my two on my ball prediction. That's all I cared about, Gareth. Come on, buddy, get that ticked off. <laughs> Good, good. I think the last thing we've got on the list is just simply Dre, which was what I'd uh, noticed. It was one of yours, Paul. I think we've we, we had some good overlap. We've covered all of that. So uh, yeah, Dre and the end of the game. Yeah, one of you two can start because I've done a lot of talking tonight. I appreciate, but all about Dre. We have to show fifty-seven his love. So come on, Lee. You talk us through your epic celebration and then play play moment. <laughs> So, so, so first of all, I mean, I was quite surprised how far my feed was ahead because as Paul's uh, mentioned earlier on, we all kept on trying to pause our feeds to try and get them synchronised. So we kept on, right, what, what's your play clock at now? Right, right, got it, right, got it. <laughs> so we all kept on synchronising. But then I think Paul's Paul's feed froze, so he had to restart his. Yeah, because then... Brett threatened to smash my face in, so I tried to mess <laughs> on with the design feed that many times. It went off. At one point, Gareth, I was like, where are you used to? They were massive ahead. But it's a good job I love him. But he did threaten yeah, well... to smash my face in a few times, Lee. You can back me up on that. <laughs> At the end there, I don't know what I must have been, what, 30 seconds ahead? Yeah. No, you, I couldn't have been 30 you... seconds ahead. Well, well ahead. I was going to say, being a fan in the UK, sometimes I stay off social media because you see these things. But it didn't spoil it for me, Gareth. It added to that magical moment because Lee went absolutely crazy. And he was in the top corner of my phone. is the word you're uh, looking for. (laughs) And I was like, this can only be good. And I thought, well, I don't know what it is. And then what was funny, I then see Dre Greenlaw diving in like Superman. And then when I've watched it back this morning, if Dre hadn't got it, Fred Warner was getting it. That's right, he was. He was right behind with his hands ready. And when I was doing my prep for the pod this afternoon, Gareth, the Fred Warner press conference. I don't know if you've both seen it. So he stood at the podium and the reporters say, what did you oh, take about it. Dre not going down? And Fred starts laughing. He's like, well, at the start of the game, I told him he was going to get a pick six. And he's talking away. And then obviously Dre Greenlaw interrupts and was like, yeah, it's your fault, Fred. You told me you, I was going to get a pick six. So apparently that's what went through his mind. When he jumped up, Greenlaw thought, I want to get a pick six for Fred. Now, everybody on both sides of the pond was screaming, get down, get down. And there's another angle of John Lynch and Carl Shannon on the sideline. And Carl Shannon has actually said he considered running on and taking the 15-yard penalty just to tackle him. Because let's face it, if that ball comes out, then we go from elation to, like, obviously... We can laugh about it now, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's poor discipline. Ultimately, I mean, it's difficult to be o- overcritical. Do you remember? I think it was when we we beat beat the Packers back in twenty nineteen. I think did we ice that game with a Richard Sherman um, interception deep? I think there was a deep ball, and you see he intercepted it, and then it, he's off, he, off. He gets about three yards, and then the brain kicks in, and he just goes boom, and he just sat down. Yeah, and I remember I that. Yeah, I do remember that. You know, it's you know we love Dre, but Gareth, just sit down. It, it was. T- it, all discipline, and it it could cost you a game. It was twelve could seconds and eighteen yards of pure relation. Lee Gowland was celebrating the whole time. Dre Greenlaw was running around, and he only sat down when Dre sat down. So he should have run around for a little bit longer, Gareth. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. So if you watch that video again, you can see there's there's two elements to my celebration. <laughs> the, there's the interception, and then I go really quiet. Because I'm watching Dre yeah. run all over the place. I think, oh, Waving Jesus the ball Christ. around he's, in one hand. Yeah, he's, he's going to lose the ball here. They're going to get it back. They're going to either get it back and go and get a touchdown or, or whatever. And then when he was finally tackled and went down and he still had to hold the ball, that was the second cheer. <laughs> I mean, all jokes aside, he was the highest graded defender on the night on PFF 89.9. He had two interceptions. Now, Gareth, me and you did the preview. And I called for we your did. boy Lenore to get two interceptions. Now, I didn't realise, Lee. You should have that, had one. That was quite bold, Gareth, because Dre Greenlaw is the first 49ers defender to get two interceptions, bit of history corner here for Gowland, since a certain Eric Davis did it against Troy Aikman in the 1994 NFC Championship game. So, Noah, your Dallas Cowboys are the gift that keep giving. I know you listen to the show. So that was quite bold, Gareth, that I called the Niners defender to have two interceptions. But he did. 
he led the 49ers in tackles with eight. And let's face it, he was questionable before the game with an Achilles tendon injury. So God help us when he's fully fit, because maybe if he was fully fit, he'd have got a pick six league. <laughs> He's going but to be by one. any chance is no is no the um the the, the lad that hates me so I hate it, the Cowboys. Ian Keane is that's right Ian Keane's uh, son isn't it is a Stockton lad who's a 49ers fan and his son is a Dallas Cowboys fan I've got a mission Gareth to change him to a Niners <laughs> fan he listens to the pods hence why he gets the shout out and he's not a fan of El Presidente shall one say. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah. before we move off Dre Greenlaw, remember that huge fourth down stop that he had? That's just as good as an interception. Mm. So he's responsible for three turnovers, effectively. And I know he like, some game. we said it, Gareth. Jordan Love hadn't played against this level of linebackers, and it showed because Fred Warner had another awesome game. And like I said, Fred could have had the interception, but I'm just glad we've got those two. Other teams can draft quarterbacks mm. like the Packers. I keep hearing their fans go on. We're not bad at drafting linebackers. Let's uh, let's enjoy them while we've got the two of them together. Uh, let's uh, let's move on. Let's, we've done the talking points. We'll do a quick player watch. Uh, Colton McKivitz. We've mentioned it briefly. Yeah, I thought he was Anything solid. Anything to Adley? No, no I, I, I thought I thought he had a solid game. Like I said, as the season's gone on, he keeps on getting better and better. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what he's like next season. Now he's got a full season under his belt as the right tackle. Demo, uh, good game from Diomedor Lenore. Should have had that interception. Um, you can see he's he's strong in the run and he, he made some plays and he certainly, he came to play. I think that was on the uh, commentary as well, that uh, he can deliver a hit uh, and he's a, he's a feisty player. I am very glad I chose him as my uh, player to watch this year. I've been very pleased with that. He had good playoffs last year um, and it's... Uh, He's, I think he's he's got in the slot position. He's as good as uh, K1 Williams, who was very good and very aggressive there for us for a few years. Uh, and I think that's a that's a definite strength. Fortunately, we haven't really talked about it, but obviously one of the other cornerbacks or perhaps several of the others in the secondary didn't uh, cover themselves in glory. I do think it was a bit soft on Ambry Thomas, but I think there was also there's a couple where you, you've got to be better. You've got to be better. Um, he knows it. Let's uh, let's not dwell on it too much. Uh, have you got anything really more on the game? I think we're we're hitting the hour mark. I've got a couple of other things to to talk about. But go on, crack on, let's hear it. Oh, it's only we'll um, we'll obviously go into more depth about the Lions' performance and certainly perhaps the Lions' performance or the Lions' win against the Bucks. Um, did you uh, any any comments to make on the other divisional games? I was surprised. That the Bills lost, but I don't know why I was surprised. The Chiefs look good. They came good at the right time. I'm not surprised. I said it in the, the preview show I did last week. Mahomes is the one I'm scared about. He's got that playoff pedigree. Mm. Um, we expected... Another. The whole team's got that play up anyway. We expect another shoot. I didn't stay up and watch that one live. I was exhausted after our roller coaster. But I don't mind watching those games back, even knowing the scores. I feel a little bit for Josh Allen. I kind of would have liked to have seen the Ravens, Bills, and the AFC Championship game. But I think the Chiefs, Ravens gives some people a battle of want to star quarterbacks on that side of the. And for us, not trying to look too far ahead, two ghosts in the past coming mm. up there. So the Bills and kickers. It's tough. It is. It is tough. And obviously, we will talk about the Lions game. But yeah, I've got a good friend who's a Lions fan. He's absolutely over the moon. He's in two mm, minds whether to be. join us this weekend. As he texted me this morning, he's waited thirty-one years for a playoff win, and he gets two in the same season. Um, another stat I wanted to finish off because I didn't have a player watch because Ronnie Bell was missing. Mm. Gareth, the Forty ers lead the NFL in points allowed in the fourth quarter, which is a good stat. And I just wanted to give Steve Wilkes his flowers because, like you said, Ambry Thomas didn't have the greatest of games, but he made the adjustments. And I, I just think, again, the criticism of Wilkes, he's not D'Amico Ryans, he's not Robert Salah, mm. but you've got to give him credit because the defence stood up on Saturday night slash Sunday morning. And the D-line, a lot of people are whinging about us not getting sacks. We had six quarterback hits. We had 22 quarterback pressures. And as John Chapman says, Lee, he converts the turnovers. He's got this chart that he uses. So he 
says that the equivalent of three turnovers is 7.5 sacks. And I wanted to ask you both a twist on the would you rather. Would you rather the 49ers led the NFL as the best turnover rate in the league or lead in the more sacks? Which turnovers. one would you prefer? Turnovers, yeah. Turnovers. It, it's not, an absolute no-brainer. Yeah. There you go. So that's how I wanted to end that one on. I think that's, yeah, they're missing because I think the... We're, we're always getting penetration. We're always bothering your opponents. And if you're getting in the backfield, it's very difficult to operate your offense. Even though it doesn't come up as a sack, so even the tap, tackles for lost, it's just, it makes the offense job difficult. And when you make it difficult, if you make it difficult for long enough and consistent, consistently enough, they will make mistakes. Well, look at that last throw. Jordan loves throwing that away because he's being chased. The, the pass rush isn't given up. And I think they've saw against his young dynamic quarterbacks, Gareth, that the sack isn't the end all and be all. It's about kind of pushing them out of the pocket and keeping that throw. And to be fair, I don't know what Jordan Love was thinking, like you said earlier, the throw across his body, first down, timeouts, but Rookie we're not going to complain about that. Yeah. Sad to see the Texans go out with a little bit of a whimper, but I think that was, the, you know, they've overachieved this season. Um, and it's only really because of D'Amico. I've never had any particular fondness for the Texans. Um, but uh, uh, a good job done by him. And they're going to be a team to watch next year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, agreed. So, uh, can you say anything about the uh, NFC Championship game watch party, either of you? We can. Do you not want to do the predictions first? Oh, yeah. We've missed the score predictions, haven't we? We're that excited. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> it was. I've I've skimmed on on my notes. It's getting time. Oh, hang on, hang on. Give me a second. I need to refresh that page. Why? There you go. With the oh. scores. Because it hadn't taken into consideration Nadji's score because it wasn't on the uh, it wasn't on the board there. So for those people listening, we just had a brief pause there. If you're not watching on YouTube, we have to get the scores right, Gareth, before you go any further. Well, I think me, you, and Nadji all got uh, seven points, did we? And, and Lee got five. So, I have a hatred for Matt Lafleur going for that two-point conversion because I predicted <laughs> twenty points for the Packers. I was fuming when he went for that bloody two points. Two, two pointers have uh, have cost us a lot of points in this game, haven't they? So, yeah, are you feeling confidently that you uh, you're going to come from nowhere and, and steal it at the end? Well, the only way the only way I'm going to do that is one. We need to get the Super Bowl. And two, I need to absolutely nail one of these scores. Yeah, it's possible. It's entirely possible. Yeah. NFC Championship game. Yeah. I'm going to nail that one. Good. I shall look forward to that. Uh, so, yeah, uh, watch party. What can you say? Yeah, so watch party. It's going to be in the, the centre of Leeds. It's going to be at the box, which was the original venue for the first watch party um, last season against the Falcons. And obviously the abandoned one against the Bears. Um we're still waiting on the official announcement from the 49ers. Once that comes out, and that's why I've got my email open at the moment, waiting to see if anything comes through. Um, we will send, we'll put the link up in the group first before, hopefully before it goes out public. So we'll have advanced notification of that so you can get your tickets. Whether or not there's going to be a charge for the ticket, I don't know. It might be a free ticket. Um, given the fact that the game doesn't start till half 11, I think somebody in the group made the point you're only really going to get the diehard fans that are going to go out for this because no casual fan is going to want to go into the centre of Leeds and then have to get back home again to to get up for work the next morning. So I think there's a very good chance there'll be free tickets again. But I don't know. Don't know until I get the details through. Um, obviously, I'm going to look forward to that. Um, not entirely sure how I'm getting down there at the moment. Um, I am still waiting on a letter dropping through the door from uh, Cambridge Constabulary, um, and that will tell me whether or not I can drive my car. <laughs> so I'll just well, wait for that one. Until you get the letter, you can drive, can't you? So. That's it, yeah. yeah. So those people reaching out, keep an eye on the group, keep an eye on the social media. Mm. We're not keeping anything secret. We do appreciate we people reaching out to us. Um, those people in London... Will Gavin and Talk Sport, who are good friends of the group, of their hosts and a party. I have put the details in Discord, Twitter and Facebook. But if you are London-based and you want to head out to a watch party, I've been reliably informed Talk Sport are having their own. And all I wanted to say at this point, Gareth, is a message for Nadji. 
We know why he's away from the show. I just want to say, thinking of you, buddy, love you, and you know where we are, and we're always here for you. Yeah, well said, Paul. Well said, Matt. Well said. So I think that just about wraps it up. It's been a little bit of a chaotic show, which I think is is perfect for a little bit of a chaotic game. So uh, thanks, lads. Thanks for joining me, and thanks no to everyone. Thank you for hosting us, Norm. You're welcome. So it's it is a pleasure. Thanks to everyone who listens and watches the show. How many neighbours did you wake up on your street uh, with the uh, Dre Greenlaw interception? And who was your MVP? Let us know. Comment when we post the pod. We will be back later in the week to preview another, a third in a row, NFC Championship game against the, I'm going to still say it, Detroit Lions, because I have to say it just to remind me that it's true. And that's this is what success looks like. Three NFC Championship games in a row. You've got to be in it to win it. So strap in. It could be another wild one. Enjoy your victory week and go Niners. Go Niners. Bang, bang, Niner gang. We love the San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff farm going 99. Don't get it twisted. One and all with Rob Tom. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the side.